Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Welcome, 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 and uh, good morning, New York. This is Alex Alexanian with and Brenda my Bush. Yeah, with Brenda here. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning. Even though it's been a couple of hours of morning already for us. Um, today, we're going to be turning the microphones over to the dogs again, and we're going to be talking about their health care. Dogs' health care, not yours. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah, my dogs are busy right now dialing up that Rosetta Stone. I think they're going to learn how to speak English. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about vet costs, and if anybody has yeah. lately visited their um, their local veterinarian, they kind of Sticker shock, maybe. Yeah, the sticker shock yeah. is really nasty It's not uncommon there. these days for a vet bill, a routine vet bill, to go over $1,000, and if you're not prepared for that... So, uh, yeah, so that's we're, we're going to be talking about today. We have some good guests lined up and, um, you know, owners face higher bills, more medical options. Well, we're going to look at what's decisions. going on. You know, why, why does it keep going up like How this? How much is and too much? What do you do about it? There's no insurance pretty much. And what do you do? Well, when, there is insurance, know? but we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, it's is not it, real Is insurance. it effective? Is it worth it? You yeah. Know? And we're going to talk about the moral issues. You know, what do you do if yeah. it's a $10,000 bill? Um, right. You love your dog and you don't have the money. Um, I mean, you know, what do you do? There, I mean, literally, the the state doesn't step step in. Uh, the federal government does nothing for you, and there's no, you know, emergency room you can take your your dog into and get treated, even if you don't have any money. For so free. what do you okay. do? Well, we're so, going to talk to our guests about that. It's a, uh, the number is eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We'll try to take some phone calls, but we have a very very busy day. And before we get onto our uh, subject du jour, we're going to talk about our major event that's coming up, and that's the walkathon. Uh, we're going to be talking about that for the next five weeks because it's five weeks from today. On Sunday, five weeks from today, we're going to have our only event of the year, and that's at FDR Park. Um, we just ask everybody to join us on this thing. If you can't be there in person, you can join us virtually. If you go to the homepage of dogsindanger.com, you'll see all about it. You'll see right up all about it now. Um, you can just go to walk.dogsindanger.com and read more about it. It's going to be an amazing event. Sunday, May 15th at FDR Park in Yorktown Heights. That's Westchester County. Right. And, and, and it's a great dog friendly park, huge dog friendly park. And, and it's you can be a support us. Yeah. And if you, even if you can't be there, if you're around the country, you say, what am I going to do in New York? Doesn't matter. You can go and support us and virtually walk. We have some great technology that'll help you and help us raise funds and keep this show on the air. And keep dogs in danger, saving the the thousands and thousands of dogs that we save from death each year happening. And to that effect, I'm going to bring on our first guest, and uh, that is, and they are Stu Weiss and Larry Garcia um, from a great, terrific band that's going to be performing at the at the event at the the walkathon on May 15th. The the name of the band is Five Star Review. Good morning, guys. Are you there? We're here. Good morning. Hi. Who's who's this? Is this Stu? I'm Stu. Hey, Stu. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good. Nice to nice to talk with you. And good nice, morning. And Larry, morning, are you are, are you there? I'm also here. Yes, sir. So, Larry, are you related to Jerry? No, I wish I was. And I get asked that question many times. Uh, unfortunately, I never got any of the benefits of that. <laughs> Just change your name and make it Jerry and go the whole way. <laughs> well, we're we're really looking forward to having you guys at our event. It's going to be a great event, and I think the guests are going to be uh, really pleased once they hear your, your sounds. Well, the band's looking forward to it. We're preparing ourselves and rehearsing, and we'll be ready for May 15th. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about Five Star Review. I mean, you guys are a new band, right? But for, uh, the tapes that I heard, you guys a tremendous experience, tremendous depth. Uh, tell me a little bit about the band. Why did you guys get it together? Why are you doing this performance? Well, uh, Larry and I uh, have been playing together in various bands for the past five years, and uh, he... Uh, brought me into uh, this uh, project, uh, um, and uh, it's been a lot of fun and very talented people, and, uh, you know, at this stage of our lives, we play music because we love music, and uh, we love performing and entertaining for people, and it was kind of put together um, by people who knew each other, and, you know, it, and it really took off right from the first time we played together. I mean, together. you guys are pros. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, I looked I at your credentials, and I couldn't believe. I mean, you have been playing, and every one of you guys has got 20, 25 years' experience, except for your lead singer, who is, I think, 20 years old or something, or 24 years old? Yeah, she's, 20, she's 25 years old, and uh, 
Um, she's got a great voice, a great presence, and she's she's a uh, uh, she's she's really first rate. We're we're really happy to have her. Yeah, and, and, and very and, fortunate. And Larry, what do you play? On the bass guitars. Oh, I love I love bass guitars. Now. Yeah, it's a fun instrument. It's a great. Come on, instrument. it drives the whole band. It really. Does. <laughs> <laughs> They're nothing without you, Larry. <laughs> Larry's great. Larry Larry fills out that whole bottom. You know, he's. Uh, He's right there all the time. So. Yeah, you guys were rocking. So we're gonna we're gonna we didn't play. have yeah we didn't have our act together quite enough this morning. But we're gonna do a couple of clips of your uh, your music before the event. So uh, when you when we when we get that all coordinated, then uh, we'll be able to give our listeners a little uh, tastier uh, music before the event. Well, that's great. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we, we'd love to have to put it on the air because I've heard it and it, I was yeah. I was knocked out. It's it's just a great band. Yeah, it's great, great performance. She's she's terrific. Um, she brings a host, you know, a whole different sound to a very sort of male rhythmic band. You know, yeah. um, I'm really into it now. Stu, you're you're playing the keyboards. Yeah, I play keyboards and try to play a little acoustic guitar. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been playing. Uh, God, I don't remember a time in my life where I haven't played. So, I, I played my first uh, live performance with my father at the age of seven. Oh my God, <laughs> that's that's like uh, Mozart days, right? You know, he um, used to perform was, in front of the king. Was, it, it, was a long time ago, um, and, and I, I'll never forget it. We played Making Whoopi. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven that. years old. <laughs> I was seven years old. I was playing uh, the, the, the keyboard. Well, I was playing the piano. I, I played the whole bass part, and my father was a sax and clarinet player, so uh, it, it was, it, it was it's, it's like embedded in my mind. Wow. So it's, it's, it's a great memory. Now, did, did you guys at some point in your career do session work in New York and stuff like that, too? No, um, I never did session work in New York. Um, I don't think Larry did either. But uh, I've been playing in bands for forty years. So um, wow, a lot of combined experience. In then that that's group. amazing, since yeah. you're only thirty-nine years old. <laughs> you know, yeah, but everyone tells me that, except when I look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, we we only have uh, another minute with you on today's show. But can you um, tell our listeners uh, why you decided to uh, play this event? Well, number one, um, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge dog lover. I have never lived without at least one dog, and um, I think the work that you people do are just phenomenal. I um, I'm uh, I'm a big supporter of uh, rescuing dogs, and I think dogs enrich my life so much that uh, I, I you know I just think it's a great cause. Well, little, little known secret, but um, Alex is actually a very accomplished guitar player, and uh, he plays every day. For me and the dogs. Oh, and so, so, Alex, you're bringing your guitar. Uh, it's classical, guys. It's, cla- it's classical. He it's does classical. have an electric, but he'd have to dust that one off pretty Yeah, well. I, I'd put you guys to sleep if I went up there, you know? But our dogs are all music lovers, so we're good. Well, I, I had a dog that uh, used to sing when I played the piano. I have one that does that. She sits, by, she sits at the edge of the piano. I'm not sure whether she's lamenting my horrible playing or whether she's singing along. I'm not quite sure, but well, I'm not dogs sure. are very musical. Dogs my are dog, very musical. Dogs yeah. are very musical. You know, uh, they can't my, my sing dog, for. They, they, the one dog when I play runs outside. <laughs> I don't know how I should take that. <laughs> but I wouldn't take it as a compliment, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, Alex, but the other dog just sits there and just just howls and 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 just loves to sing. Wow, that's <laughs> like great! You got to get a recording of that for us, can you? Yeah, let's let's um, get a recording and let's have you guys come back on the show. But we have to cut out right now because we we just have a chock full of nuts here um, show. So, Stu, Larry, thank you for joining us at this early great. hour. We're going to have you back on. I want that vid- uh, that all. Audio tape, yeah, yeah an audio tape, so we can play it on the air. Okay, guys, and we're going to cut to commercial, and we'll be back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way. And Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 45,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. 
Visit dogsindanger.com and click donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now before they run out of time. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs in puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with Humane Group groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets. Through their puppy mill incentive, thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families. And you can help save even more. Text the word DOG to 90999 to give $5 to Best Friends Animal Society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog. Together, we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true. Message and data rates may apply. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're going to move right along, Brenda. We're going to get into the subject of the day because uh, we don't have that much time and we have it's such a huge topic. Vet costs. How much is too much is what we call it. And before we bring in our first guest, I'm just going to run through a couple of quickie, very, very quick stats. According to the ASPCA, $12 billion was spent last year on vet care in the U.S. That comes out to be roughly $171 per dog. Wait a minute. Just Let's just process that for a second. $12 billion. Right. $171. Right. Wrap your mind around more right. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody gets $12 billion. I don't get it. Uh, $171 per dog was spent. Okay. Now, let's compare that to humans. Two point three in two thousand eight, the last uh, the last numbers that are available according to the government, two point three trillion. Did I say trillion? Okay, I don't get right. that number either. Two point three trillion was spent. How does that come out to be? That's seven thousand six hundred eighty one dollars per person. So one seventy one per dog, seven thousand six hundred eighty dollars per human. Meaning the human spent forty four times for each right. dollar I mean, spent on an animal. is a lot of money, but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to what exactly. we spend on human. That's, yeah. the, that's the point. 44 to 1. So with that kind of a, a launch, let's bring in our first guest. He is Dr. Neil Shaw. He's the founder and chief medical officer of Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners. Hello. Good morning. How are you? How are you, Dr. Shaw? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, this is, a, this is a, a topic that's, I think, close to the hearts of many, many people that have had to take their dogs in for a veterinary care, either emergency or not, and have had the sticker shock. So let me start out by asking you, Dr. Show, are vet costs too high? I think, uh, no, I don't, I don't think vet costs are too high. I think they're, they're actually pretty reasonable. What has happened is you've you got to um, look There's several different levels of care. Basic care, which is routine care, wellness care for a pet, that, that's actually very reasonable. Um, basic care by most private practitioners, um, I would again say it's reasonable. Um, the care has become more sophisticated. Everything from uh, acute emergency care to uh, care with uh, radiation therapy for cancer, that that is significantly more expensive. Um, However, a very small minority of dogs actually receive that care. If there's a way to bring that down, that that would be super because it is expensive. There's no question. What are some um, of those? What are some of those advanced medical options that are available to people today? You mentioned one as radiation. Obviously, the whole oncology uh, industry is really developed. But what are some mm-hmm. of the other treatments that 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 pet owners have available today? The sophisticated ones that they didn't have a few years ago. Yeah, the, the care that's available now that really occurred in the last, say, 10, 10 to 15 years is radiation therapy, uh, removal of cataracts, uh, for, and lens implantation for dogs that, um, that have developed cataracts. Um, for the sick patient, being able to be routinely put on a ventilator for a dog that is acutely ill, you know, needs, needs to be placed on a ventilator for days, days, on the end is now done on a routine manner. Um, uh, treatment in an ICU environment is is now routine um, when it wasn't available before. That said, a very, very, very small minority of dogs actually receive this sort of care. Um, I, there's no 
there's no numbers out there, but I would estimate less than 1% of the population. You know what, Dr. Show, uh, I, I agree with you. It's a very small number. And, and the, the question is, is it such a small number because, uh, because dogs don't get sick? Uh, or the facility's not available, or is it because the money's too high? And on that subject, let me ask you mm -hmm. a moral, let me ask you a moral question, okay? Mm -hmm. Do, do we, I mean, philosophically, do we spend as much as necessary? I put that in quotes, you know, whatever is necessary, or should another standard apply? Should another moral standard apply when it comes to pets? Well, I think that that's an individual, it's an individual decision, uh, for the, the people that pets live with. And so, I um, uh, I don't know if I don't know if I would apply one rule for everybody in the country. What, where do you think the moral standard should fall, in your opinion? The, the moral standard should fall that pets should receive be made available to receive uh, basic care. I, I think when pets do not receive care, I think that's a problem. Should a pet necessarily receive? radiation therapy for cancer or supportive care to prevent um, pain um, or discomfort from a cancer, I, I think either options are okay. So you think we have a responsibility as a society to make sure that animals receive at least basic care? I think we do. Wait, wait, wait. She I just switched channels on me, Dr. Scholl. Yeah. So I was asking the moral question, but I think that's a great follow-up question. You know, in human health care, we have decided that as a society, we have decided that society itself shares the burden of thy neighbor's health. What do, what do I mean by that? Your neighbor is, is very, very sick, and his health care is going to be X amount of dollars. You're very healthy, let's say. You contribute to his health care because his premiums affect your premiums, and, and there are hospital systems if he doesn't have the money all that kind of stuff. There's a societal balance there that says we just don't let the guy die because he doesn't have the money. With animals, we don't have that standard. Do you think that standard should apply to animals as well? I think uh, I think it's their individual decisions. Their individual decisions. And I think that whether a pet receives radiation therapy or a pet receives strong supportive care, which comes under the terms of basic care, um, then... It's um, that's an individual decision. Should a pet receive basic care? Yes. Well, but without a doubt. But do you think that the government? Mean that's what I mean by society sharing the responsibility. Do you think that the government should be involved in some way, as it is in human healthcare, in ensuring some basic level of healthcare? Whether you have money or you don't have money, do you think? I mean, right now, the government does not get involved at all. Do you think the government should be in the in the game of ensuring some basic level of healthcare for your pets as well? It, it's a very good question. The challenge is I'm a veterinarian and not a politician. <laughs> uh, wait, I take, I, I'll take issue with that because you're starting to sound like a politician. <laughs> so let me ask you a, a moral question again, okay, to put you in the hot seat, okay? What does, someone, what does someone do? Okay, now, now you've got to answer this question straight on, Dr. Shaw. What does someone do if faced with, the doctor walks up to you and he says, your dog needs a $10,000 operation. Or procedure. Whatever. Or procedure, whatever. It's going to cost you 10000 bucks, and you don't have the money. Okay, You love your dog. You're crazy about your dog, but you just don't have any money. So the, do the doctor says, if you don't do this operation, he's surely going to die in the next month. What should someone do? They should do several, several different options. One, identify whether or not they can, they can afford the procedure. If they can't afford the procedure, they should ask the veterinarian, is there some sort of payment plan? It can be made. If there's not some sort of payment plan that could be made, they should identify if there's some sort of charitable or charitable organization that would help with the procedure. That and and many many such exist. Um, we we do so routinely. Um, so that there are those options. At the end of the day, the, at the end of the day, the challenge is that these procedures cost money. I mean, one right. one one art. One odd way to look at it is one of the reasons these procedures cost some money is very few pets are made available to it. In mm. other words, if um, if the procedure is done once a week, it's going to cost a lot more to do that procedure than if it's done routinely several times a day, several times um, uh, every day of the week. Well, and uh, the decision gets more complicated than that, too, because yeah. what you don't have factored into that $10,000 question, of course, is how, how much quality of life and how much time is that going to buy the animal? So, it, 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 right. you know, if it's going to get them six months of, uh, of, of suffering, prolonged suffering, then that's something that's... I mean, it's a, very, it's a very complex issue. It's not just 
um, do you have the money or not have the money? But yeah. there there are organizations out there that do help. Um, of course, so if you call hard. one of the main ones in New York, New York Save, unfortunately, you, it, you know the answering machine says, "I'm sorry, but the fund it is, is out so of money." It's so hard to get money for yeah, operations. It really is. Give and me some, a break. And even the um, the the blue the the Blue Pearl organization, mm-hmm. right? They do they do fundraising um, for some of their uh, patients that that we don't do. have the money and uh, and have a fund that they. Uh, they give out to people that need it. What about if we reversed it, Dr. Shaw? What if, you know, with pets, it's clearly, you know, it's the best health care money can buy. I mean, the technology is there. The doctors are there. The brain power is there. You have the money. I, I have a very, very good friend of mine, um, and he has a, a dog with cancer, and he takes him to Katona Bedford because he lives up in Westchester. Uh, Katona Bedford is a great uh, institution up in our neck of the woods in Westchester County. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the dog has cancer. He spent about 20, he's, he has already spent twenty five thousand dollars on the dog, but the dog is alive, and the dog is doing well. He's under radiation. He's on chemo, and he's doing well. He's reacting well to it. He has the money, and he's spending it on his dog because he loves him. Um, well, that's great, but not everybody has the money to be able right. to, to do that. Not everyone makes the same choice, even if they do have exactly. The money. But we have you know the rule is the best health care money can buy. Mm-hmm. Why not apply the same standard to humans and say basically if you don't have the money, uh, good, good luck, Charlie. Laughable. I don't think he's going to go near that. I, 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 I chuckle. That's a, that's a good question. That's one that I, I'm not equipped to answer. That's welcome to Alex's world. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, there are often no limits to what people will do um, to get their animals. The vet. Care. I mean, that's that's the byproduct of having fam, you know pets as family members. People love them as family members, and they're willing to do almost anything. Um, and, there are no limits, and and in fact, I I think what has happened in part, again, I think basic care is actually uh, pretty reasonable. Um, it's actually very reasonable basic care. What's happened is there's been such an explosion of technology, expertise, training in these advanced procedures, and it's done with such a low frequency that the costs the costs are high. Um, there's no question. Um, and of course, well, multiple dogs makes that number grow up too. So multiple even- dogs, and as time goes on, these that price will come down, and I expect that price to come down um, for care because it will be done more routinely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be the technology won't be uh, cutting edge, so to speak, but the routine technology was cutting the cutting edge technology of yesterday. And um, it'll be made available to more. I mean, pretty much now, pretty much now. I mean, if you have an emergency, those the thing, you know, the the cost can escalate exponentially over a period of day. You know, in a week, you have a ten thousand dollar bill if you have an emergency. Um, So I think that that's sticker shock for a lot of people if they're not if they're not prepared for it, for sure. Um, You know, when you have multiple dogs, then that 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 number goes up. What do you how do you feel in your practice? Um, when this situation comes up with the very expensive uh, operation that you know will save the dog's life, and the guy says, you know what, I don't want to spend that kind of money, um, let, yeah, put him to sleep, which is a ridiculous term, put him to sleep. How about, yeah. You wake up from sleep. You don't wake up from yeah, dead. Yeah, right. Anyway. Well, well it, 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 depends. it depends on the condition of the patient. If, if the, condition, uh, the condition of the patient is that, that the, the pet is suffering, is in pain or suffering, then euthanasia is a fair option. And I believe that euthanasia is a fair option is if, if the folks cannot afford uh, the care, um, there's not another means to make the care available. Um, we typically give multiple options. Um, if none of those options can be afforded by, by an owner and there's not an outside source to help, and the pet is in pain or suffering, then um, then I believe it's an appropriate decision. Is it is it a decision that anybody's happy about? Absolutely not. Is it an appropriate decision at the time? Sure. Have you? I think that there's, there's two situations. There's an individual, an individual occurrence, and then I think you're asking a broader philosophical question. What can we do about this in general? And I think that's probably more important is how do we lower the cost of care? How do we make care available? And how do we uh, prevent, prevent suffering? That's, a, that's a, probably a broader question than an individual pet who, 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 is some, who has a condition that, that, that they're in pain from. Uh, I'm sure you've faced. Yeah. The, I'm sure you've seen that situation happen in, in your own practice, and I'm sure you've seen very decent people uh, be faced with this wall that I just can't afford this operation for Scruffy, 
and there are no options because it's very hard to find money for an operation for a dog. I mean, that's like, you know, you might as well win lotto at that point. So um, you've seen that these decent people just breaking down in front of you and, and, and tears being shed and, and emotional toll breakdown because they're between the, the perennial rock and, and, and a wall. Um, I, I, and tell us about some of the times that these things have happened and how you felt about it at that point. It 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 occurs, it it occurs on a daily basis. It it is difficult. It's one of the one of the realities of veterinary medicine, and it it often leaves many veterinarians uh, to be frustrated, to, it, uh, very much to be frustrated and concerned that they are not being, if you will, not being able to be effective in in caring for pets. And yeah. economics are a, a biggest, biggest stumbling block. I can tell you from the other side of the equation, although the costs for medical care are often high uh, in the nature of what we do, um, it's, it takes that sort of money, if you will, to be able to provide the care. No, absolutely. Because, I... because there's, yeah, that's, it, it, is, it is a challenge. State-of-the-art yeah, facility and very absolutely. certified how, how much doctors. Is it, and how much is an MRI machine for a, for a dog? An for MRI an machine for a, a, a dog, it's the same thing as an MRI. For, as far as the cost of the machinery, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's the exact same cost as the cost for a, a person. Exact same cost. How, MRI, how, that's the challenge. A radiation right. unit where is the same as the cost for a person. CAT scan? CAT scan. Same as a person, including maintenance and upkeep. I read about five hundred thousand yeah. about five hundred thousand dollars for for, same for as a, a cat as scan a human. for a CT scan scanner. He just said it. He yeah. just said it. Yeah. Same. same well, as but a, a lot human. of people don't know what the human cost is, so I was just trying to put a number on it. I mean, yeah. I, and, and again, I think the how, how do we approach this? We approach this by one um, identifying that this is a challenge. And you're right. You're absolutely right. This is a challenge. That the, the costs are high, and the costs are out there are too high. It's it's hard for the average person to be able to afford it. What's your experience um, with pet insurance? It's, it really is very limited. It still is very limited. Mm-hmm. We see pet insurance occasionally, uh, but relatively few people uh, have it. Um, it seems that it just still has not necessarily caught on. Um, experience is it does help with significant costs. Um, is it necessarily um, cover all the costs? It rarely covers all the costs, and I think that's one of the reasons why it hasn't really caught yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Doctor Shaw. You've been a great guest. I've thrown some really tough questions at a, at, at a veterinarian, so uh, you're a trooper for hanging in there and answer them as best you can. Uh, I empathize with you. We empathize with you. Uh, some of the pain that you guys go through, but right now we have to take off to um, network break, and we'll be right back, Doctor Shaw. Thank you so much. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsIndanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and more than 45,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 a month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to dogsindanger.com and do something good for your soul. Gain a body, save a life. dogsindanger.com My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, 
volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. We're back on the air uh, with today's topic, vet costs, how much is too high or too much. And we are starting to run out of time, so I'm going to quickly segue into our second guest, Dr. Timna Lee. She's been on hold waiting to come online. Uh, she is the uh, chief medical officer at Tribeca Soho Animal Hospital. Dr. Lee, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good morning. How are you? Uh, tired, but good. <laughs> good morning. You mean you don't wake it's up smart. at 530 in the morning every day? Uh, no, it's 6.30, so not too bad. <laughs> uh, we feel I, your pain. Yes, yes, I know you do, Brenda. <laughs> Every Sunday we feel like your pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Dr. Lee, uh, I know you were listening on the, um, on the, uh, on, on the phone, the first half yep. with our interview with uh, Dr. Neil Shaw. Uh, let me start off the interview with the same question I started off Dr. Shaw's with. Um, are vet costs too high? I, I really don't think so. Um, I think, you know, most people uh, that I've spoken to do believe that they are. Um, you know, people think that veterinarians, you know, are only in it just to um, help pets. And unfortunately, we have, you know, to pay the electricity so the hospital can run and, you know, uh, for the technicians to come in and things like that. And I really don't think it's actually that high, especially for your annual checkup and the vaccines and everything else like that, because... Unfortunately, we have to buy these things, so we have to be able to pay our vendors, and people keep forgetting that, and they only think that veterinarians are, you know... Just animal lovers. Away. Well, and, yeah, yeah, and, and they are, <laughs> but, you know, you have to be able to turn on the hospital lights in order right. to actually see patients and, and help anybody And Dr. Out. Shaw made a good distinction, I think, between, you know, basic care, um, the, the vaccinations, the wellness exams, the you know, the, the basic care that's out there versus... Um, the emergency care and then the more sophisticated advanced treatment care. And I yeah. think, you know, you, your experience with each of those things, it makes a really big difference as a pet owner. Um, and there are lots of, um, there are lots of like, um, local organizations that'll do vaccinations, for example, um, at, at lower cost. Yes. And I think that's absolutely fabulous. And it, and, you know, it can definitely help out people that are, you know, unable to go to the private hospital to go get the, you know, an exam and the full vaccines it's you know i think these uh little vaccine clinics are fabulous you know um mm-hmm. really helps out a lot of owners to keep their pets up to date on vaccines and and hopefully you know some of those places they're saying oh maybe your pet doesn't look so healthy right now maybe you do need to go to a, a veterinarian right, for right. further right. care so i think it's it's it, I think it's definitely a good idea to hey. even get to go in for your yearly rabies vaccine or every three years uh, for that and just go in annually for your regular checkup. Absolutely. Dr. Lee, let me ask you a basic question here. Um, how much does a vet make versus a human doctor? I mean, uh, an MD. <laughs> As she laughs. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the, uh, what's the I, comparison? So we get a, we'll get a picture here and the financial yeah. side of it. Well, at least for a general practitioner, um, they can make, you know, anywhere from 80 to maybe dollars $100, $120,000 at maybe the top Th- That's of your a vet, name. right? A vet that's makes a eighty to one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Okay. And what's and the comparative on an MD? A first-year, let's say, uh, orthopedic resident um, who's basically just doing surgeries on shoulders. I know this because one of my friends does this. Um, and... His starting out salary is going to be two hundred thousand dollars, and probably five years in, he's going to go up to four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars a year. Still, even after all of these revisions in healthcare and Medicare costs, and yeah. hospitals going bankrupt and blah blah blah, that doctor's still pulling in four hundred to five hundred thousand after yeah, five. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that they don't deserve it because I'm not a saying lot that. of them are truly fabulous. But you know, veterinarians, you don't get into becoming a veterinarian to make money. You're not okay, so let's let's get you yeah. Don't make a lot. So right. let's get that number out there. Okay, let's just get that number so people wrap their minds around this whole thing about our vet costs too high. Um, mm-hmm. the, because most of the time, when they hear a number five thousand bucks, three thousand bucks, uh, five hundred bucks, they figure the vet is ripping him off. He's making so much money. So let's get that right. They're only making eighty to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. If there's anybody ripping you off, it's your MD. Is that? I mean, that's about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's going to say that. 
I'll just laugh. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no comment. Okay, but but we got the perspective right. Okay. Yeah. Now let me ask you a thorny little question. Okay, that uh, that has come. I've seen it happen. Other people have said that, and I want your honest answer on this thing. Okay. Do you think that vets, because of the financial pressure that they're under, they don't make a lot of money. Uh, you heard Dr. Shaw talk about how an MRI machine costs the exact same thing as it does for humans. Do you think that in that in that situation where uh, a vet will recommend a procedure, even though they know that the success for the animal um, is not very likely, it, the, the likelihood of success is minimal? Uh, I don't think so. Um Let's put it this way. I don't know anybody who's just like, oh, you know what? I need to take the kids on their yearly vacation, so I'm going to put this animal through a surgery. I don't know of anybody. I mean, maybe it happens somewhere, but as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't happen. I would like to say that, you know, most people, most veterinarians have ethics enough not to put a pet through an unneeded surgery well, procedure not unneeded to but make ends meet so to speak no i was thinking more about something that you know is a, non-invasive it, it, like an mri or something like or, that. or oh. yeah or something that you know you know that the, you can do surgery and the chances for it to, to stick and heal the, the animal is you know less than 20 percent you're talking about how about how about the dachshund with a broken back how about that Right, that kind of thing, which happened to a very, very, very close friend of mine. Exactly that. And situation. she paid a lot of money for the surgery, and unfortunately, the, he didn't make it. Yeah, so, I mean, he was dead within. So a week. I think that's 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 sort of the the idea Alex is asking about. So you you have a surgery that's maybe got a fifty fifty chance or less. Um, yeah, you know. What, I mean, I've, I would say most veterinarians, or at least the ones that I'm personally acquainted with, I think they do give a hey, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z. They give you a bunch of options, and you can say, you know, we might have a 50% chance with the surgery, but that might be your best option, but I can't guarantee your dog is going to walk afterwards. Um, You know, some people will take that chance. Just like humans undergo a back surgery because they have back pain, there's a risk that, you know, the doctor, even though he might be fabulous, he might nick something or the surgery just doesn't go as planned and um, or they don't have the desired effect and the pet, or the pet, <laughs> sorry, the human patient won't be able to walk after surgery as well. Right. Wow. I mean, it's an there aren't any There aren't any guarantees in this either. Yeah, there's, yeah, if there's ever a guarantee in life, I would love to do whatever that is, but there's no guarantee. Well, in, or you could always medicine. go to weather forecasting because you can be consistently wrong and still keep ah. your job. <laughs> yeah, I would like to we might have a better chance of being right at a few things. Dr. Lee, how, how often in your practice do you see pet owners forego your treatment recommendations because of the cost? Um, I am very lucky that a lot of my patients are, are very good. Um, it does happen occasionally when they don't when I don't know them as well, um, but I do try to explain as much as possible. I, I give them best case and worst case scenario, but it happens occasionally, maybe once a week or a few more times a week for for something more um, for a larger procedure like that's there's a mass there it's impeding the way your dog is walking you know your dog's only four years old let's take it off so that way they have a healthier long life you know without difficulty walking versus that's I don't have too many that decline that but I do have people that decline annual blood work especially for a senior pet which I think is very important um, because they don't either have the money or they don't understand why we're doing the blood work. Um, kind of as a screening test. You go into your doctor to get tests done to make sure you're healthy every year. That's trying. That's basically what we're trying to do as well. Right. Okay. So how do you feel? Let me ask you a personal question. How do you feel about someone that asks you to euthanize their dog when you tell them that they need a $10,000 operation or a procedure to save the dog um, and you know that it's a pretty good chance that it'll be it'll be fine, and they don't have the money, and they say, "Look, doctor, we don't have the money. Just euthanize Scruffy." How do you feel about that? I mean, it's a tough question because it's different for every patient. Um, you know, it's some things. You know, it's um, they don't have the money; they're unable to have the care afterwards. You know, they're it, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. It's definitely disappointing. Um, when you you want them to do a surgery, you know it's it should help them. Um, basically, the surgery should go smooth, even if you do the surgery, you know, on a daily basis type thing, um, and you're very comfortable with it. It's just it can be difficult, but like I said, it's very individual. You know, you can't chastise somebody for saying I, I can't care for this pet. Yeah, but anymore. do you do you personally? 
I mean, inside of your own soul, you chastise them when you know that they have the money. Let's say, let's say, I flipped it on you. you let's say it, yeah. if they do have the money, I, I flipped it on you. I don't know how many people have the money but are choosing not to do it. Well, it happens. That's a, that's it a happens. really small percentage of people. It happens. I, I said ten thousand dollars. It happens. People just don't want to give it to the dog. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Uh, yeah. Well, how about you let the vet it's say tough. how often it happens? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how often it happens all the time. You know, a lot of people dress like they do have a lot of money, and they really don't. Um, so it's very hard. I don't say, I need to look at your bank right, account. Right, you don't ask for, for a copy right, of the right. bank account. Yeah. Right. Obviously. And, you know, I do try to give, you know, I don't assume that somebody has money. You know, I, I recommend a surgery or a procedure or whatever it happens to be. I give them, you know, an estimate of the costs and everything, and if they're like, I don't think I can do this. Then I give them other options about, like, New York City Save. Uh, and then there's also another thing called Care Credit, which is kind of like a credit card for medical costs for your pet. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It has, like, Payment options and no stuff. interest rate. I think it's no it, interest it or very easier. low interest, yeah. Right, yeah, right, right, right. For a certain you, period of time. And I think that's really great. So I do try and give them financial options to help them out. Um, but at the same time, it's, it is frustrating when they can't do it whether they can afford to or not because you do you do want to do good of you know, course that's of course why i got into this you know there, there's one other huge difference between vets and uh, and doctors besides their income which we talked about there's one other enormous difference between them you guys meaning the vets have the euthanasia option which humans obviously uh, doctors uh, mds do not have there's they don't have an option that says okay uh kill grandma Okay, the kill grandma option is not, you know, a checkbox you can check off, but that isn't a real option. Kill Scruffy is a real option box. How do you guys feel about having that option? Is it right for you to have that option? Um, would you rather if you didn't have that option and, and society obliged you to do something and, you know, that that option did not exist? So they couldn't even ask you to go and euthanize Scruffy. I, I definitely believe in humane euthanasia. Um, it's for pets that have a really painful, horrific cancer um, that just, you know, I mean, humans, you can lay in a hospital bed, you can explain to them, you're here because of this, um, you're pained because of this. Pets don't understand, you know, as much as we would like to tell them, you know, oh, they understand they're, they're sick, they understand they have cancer, they don't. Um, and I definitely think in a lot of cases, it is very helpful, and it's not just about the money. Somebody can't do a procedure, and oh, let's euthanize them. Um, it's it's all about this pet is not getting better. They're just in pain every day. There's nothing else we can do, whether it's surgery, medications, acupuncture, whatever it happens to be. And there's just this pet is just sitting there suffering. I think it's a perfectly good option. But, but and I do let people know that it is there. And, and I agree with you. And I agree with you in the cases of uh, ending suffering. I think the same rules that you're just applying here personally, I think, should apply to humans. Society hasn't seen it that way, I personally think. And a lot of people agree with me. I know, including Brenda, that those kind of rules, the ending of suffering, um, the voluntary euthanasia, I believe should apply to humans as well. But you have that option in in, in cases where the dog can absolutely be saved by an operation. Right. Well, you're talking operation. about two, two, two different scenarios. Yeah. One is a, term, a case of terminal suffering. I'm not and terminal. no prognosis of recovery right. versus euthanizing an animal that does have prognosis of recovery and a good quality of life right. after right. after a very that expensive option is, is, is right. murder in yeah. the case of MDs and it's completely normal business as usual in the cases of vets. How do yeah. you feel about that option being available to you and uh, and and, and um, tell me more about that? About it being in the non-terminal cases. Yes, absolutely. In, like, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, it's still definitely a viable option. I mean, unfortunately, there is no, quote, unquote, standard of health care out there like there is for humans. Um, you know, I can't force somebody to make their dog even get spayed, you know. Um, so it's, it, it, it is very difficult. I did have one patient that came in. It was a new client, and she wanted to euthanize her cat, and you know, because the cat was peeing outside the box, and I told her this is something that we can treat. This is something that we can help you and your cat with, and she just refused. And so I basically had her sign the cat over to me. I ended up adopting the cat, um, and now that cat actually has a really good home and everything else like that. But 
That's I, a great I, story, I, but there's a limited number of times you can yeah, do that. Yeah, I, I can't do that. You know, I do live in New York City. Um, <laughs> don't have a sprawling, you know, branch that I can put the mallow out on. But, um, you know, I mean, it's... It's a, t- it's a it's tough, tough. It's tough. For the yeah. vets, I think it's tough because yeah. you yeah, don't. It's tough. They yeah. get into it because they answer. care. <laughs> they right. get into it because they care about the animals. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine it, Dr. Lee. Uh, you go into it because you care for the animals. You, you, I mean, it costs you just as much, right? To get the education is equivalent in cost to an MD, right? It costs you just as much. You have to go to school just as many years, maybe not as many years in residency, but medical school is the same thing, four years, right? Cornell is going to cost you the same amount of money whether in their medical school or, school. or if you're their vet school. So you come out, you make you know one third to one quarter the money of an MD. Okay, so that's one hit because you love the animals, and then you have to su- suffer the abuse of this rule that uh, Johnny comes in and says, you know what, I, you know, I I can't afford this. Kill the dog for me, and and you know I well, guess you can say lot, no. I'm not like, going to do just it. Just like Dr. Lee said, you know they they look for every other alternative. Many many um, veterinary practices just refuse to do it. But then the the owner invariably, if that's their mindset and they haven't been educated to do otherwise or pursue other options, they're just going to go to the local municipal shelter and get rid of the animal. And so uh, that's the unfortunate world we live in. It's all yeah. perfectly legal. Yeah, it, it doesn't it, make it right, but you know yeah. that's that's the philosophical discussion. But, but we're to having. put an you know a shelter mindset is one thing, and to put a highly educated specialist that loves animals and to, expect in the position them to kill the animals of just that, yeah. killing the animal for no good reason. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. in terminal cases and all of that, we totally sink in. But uh, but to put the you know to put a professional healthy, in that position, animals. yeah, yeah healthy, I think it's the issue of healthy treatable deplorable, animals. Yeah. deplorable, absolutely deplorable. I mean, a lot of people also see it. I'm not saying everybody sees it this way, but, you know, I mean, if I don't do it, they're going to just go to another hospital and do it there, um, or they're going to drop it off at a shelter and the they're going to euthanize it. it there, you yeah, know, because yeah. the shelter can't definitely can't do a $10,000 surgery, at least right. none that I'm aware of anyway. No, right. So what you're saying so, is why, why, why would a vet lose out on at least the fee of the euthanasia at that point, you know? I, I don't want it to seem like that, but it's just like, well, instead of carting this animal around from hospital to hospital to hospital, which is not comfortable for the pet, being seen by another doctor, palpated, maybe, you know, depending on what it is, let's say there's a foreign body stuck in the intestines and the pet has a fever, is in pain, all of that, and they they can't do the surgery, even if there's a really good outcome, likely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, it's it's not fair to the pets from going to one place to one place to one place or a different place just to get euthanized yeah. or dropped off to the shelter where they're going to euthanize it. So uh, at some point you just kind of go, well, I'm technically stopping the suffering at yeah. this point or, you know, you even psych yourself into, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You psych yourself into a mode where you can, you can do it and survive yeah. it. Yeah. You know, Dr. So Lee, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, a, Oh, well I need that a hundred dollars. Yeah. You know? So I'm going to do it just cause, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people really try and fight to say, no, this is a really good option. We can do this. You know, they have a really great success rate, et cetera, et cetera. But some people just don't want to hear it, and you can give them option after option after option. And there aren't any guarantees. So you, you could do yeah. that and then end up with an owner who, whose animal has died and, you, and still has a $10,000 bill. You know, you, know yeah. what it, you know what it comes down to, doc, uh, Dr. Lee? You know what it really comes down to? And we have to cut this off. But you know what it really comes down to? Just the, the, the species, our, our species, and just total denial on this issue. They love their dog. You know, They want the dog to live forever. The cost of the machinery is the same as human beings. Um, the cost of becoming a vet is the same as in a human being. But we just live in this bubble world where we say, you we know what? We don't want to pay for it. I, I don't mind. You know, mm-hmm. if grandma's costs are going to be $100,000, whatever, I've got insurance for it, and I pay $600 a month for insurance. But my pet insurance should be $15 a month, no more than that. And it should cover everything. We're just in this crazy, insane bubble. Yeah. It just doesn't hold up. But anyway, that's my pontificating. Thank you very, very much, Dr. Lee, for joining Thank us you. at this early hour in the morning. We hope to have you on again. You do great work. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, have a good day. Thanks, Thanks. you too. Bye-bye. Hey, Brenda, what's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Malnutrition claims the lives of an estimated 3.5 million children every year. 
That's one death every six seconds. Many families simply cannot afford to provide the nutritious food, like milk, meat, and eggs, that young children need to grow and thrive. Instead, they struggle to survive on what amounts to nothing more than bread and water. But childhood malnutrition is both preventable and treatable. Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, or MSF, is raising awareness of the childhood malnutrition crisis through their Starved for Attention campaign, a series of documentaries highlighting the lives of people who struggle to survive. Created in 1971, MSF now provides aid to people in more than 70 countries whose survival is threatened by factors ranging from natural disasters to violence. To see what the faces of malnutrition look like and to learn how you can join the fight against malnutrition, visit starvedforattention.org. A public service from Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome back to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. And our featured dog of the day is Duncan, a male whippet mix who has five days left to live. And he's at Newport Animal Shelter in Newport, Tennessee. And um, he's another one with those eyes that just stare right through you. You know, the ones that are looking at you like, why me? Of course, none of us have the answer for that. And there's thousands of them every day across the country. If you can help Duncan, um, go to our website, dogsindanger.com. We have a page there set aside for the radio hour. It has uh, all kinds of resources for all of our shows, including information about Duncan. If you can help Newport Animal Shelter in Newport, Tennessee. Newport, Tennessee. Yes. Not Newport, Rhode Island. Tennessee. Okay, there you go. Newport, Tennessee. And uh, he is, Duncan is one of a thousand dogs that are fighting for life on the Dogs in Danger website. Um, it's an amazing thing to see, even if you're not ready to adopt. Uh, it'll give you an, an eye awakening to go there. And it'll look make at the, you come face to face with this. Success stories and some mm-hmm. of the memorial stories. It's it's really quite a something. And this, this was quite a show. Yeah, it really was. The, a, it was a really good discussion. Yeah. And, um, it's a subject. This issue uh, hits home for a lot of people. If you have a pet, at some point you're going to cross this bridge that we talked about today. At some point, that dog's going to get old, and that dog's going to need some serious or work. have an emergency, or have an emergency, or get sick. Yeah, and you're going to be faced with that because insurance, really, pet insurance doesn't really exist, and it's all out of pocket. Um, so it does exist. You know what? We should do a show specifically on pet insurance because people have so many questions about it, and you know, all the vets that I've talked to have basically said the same thing. It's very limited. Be careful what you buy. Um, it, it has well, all kinds know, of restrictions. You know why it's like that, right? To because have, you can't pay $25 a month and, and have $1,000 a month care. Exactly, exactly. That's, the, that's what I was talking about. Economically, it doesn't work. That's what I was talking about, this big bubble that we're but in. We, you know? You know, we've become accustomed to state-of-the-art care. We want it for our pets, too. Right. We want it for our pets, and we want it for grandma. But we're willing to pay for grandma, and for a pet, it should be 10 bucks. Right. You know, which is insane, insane, and we just continue on this. You're this better in- off taking the $100 a month and putting it aside in a savings account for the day that you need it. Yeah, we have to cut out. Next week, we have a humdinger of a show. We are going to take on PETA. PETA, yeah. Uh, just People radical. for the ethical treatment of animals. Yep. Radical. We know they're radical. Are they radically right? That's the question we're going to be asking next week. It's going to be a great discussion. Week. Fiery yep. discussion next oh week. Oh, my so God. Sure it's going to be a hot one. Tune in. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week when the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour once again goes on and talks about our friendly pets. Thank you.